welcome to another episode of Conversations and Connections, the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson, the Prevention Coordinator for the agency. Uh, with me again is um, Melissa Wheeler, our... You know, Melissa, you're my boss, and I'm still I, I still stumble and pause on your on your title, developmental development director. Development director. You think you think a guy would know his boss's title, but <clears throat> that's that's another conversation for later. Well, today is going to be a little different. Uh, the tables are going to be turned, and uh, you know, uh, Melissa asked me, oh goodness, a month ago. Stuart, we need to have you as a guest on the podcast. So I guess that's what we're going to do today, right? It is, Awesome. Yes. Okay, this is like a job interview all over again. <laughs> it is. I get to know what you do all over again. <laughs> right, right. Well, no, I'm looking forward to it. It, it, it is neat. And I, am, I do like what I do, and I do like to tell people about prevention and what I do and everything. So... I'm going to turn the the steering wheel over to Melissa. I'm just going to start out and say, <laughs> Stuart's kind of a, I mean, he's got his hand in a little bit of everything with um, prevention and podcast and yeah. and doing some media. And so we we utilize him, to, you know, to a big degree in a lot of different areas. So maybe he'll share some of all of those different things with us today and kind of educate us. I mean, he's educated yeah. me a lot on the prevention um, piece to the Family Crisis Center and what, yeah. why it's important to our community and our youth. And so I've really been fascinated in in hearing what he has to share with everyone. So let's get started and kind all of right. give you all an idea. Awesome. So Stuart, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your position with the agency. Well, my, my official title is Prevention Coordinator. Uh, and I've been here with the agency now, let's see, this past September was three years. And really, I always like to start off, in, everywhere I go, you know, I tell people a lot of times when they think of the Family Crisis Center, they think of the safe house or they think of the thrift store. And they don't realize all these other things that we do as an agency, and including prevention, you know, and I always kind of jokingly say it's my job to uh, run us out of business. You know, if I did my job 110% effectively, uh, there wouldn't be a need maybe for the Family Crisis Center, right? So um, so what I do is I go around and educate anybody who wants to hear the, the prevention message. Um, just a little bit of a backstory. When I came on board, uh, the, the grant that funded this position uh, – allowed us to do prevention on the college campuses at Angelina College and at Stephen F. Austin State. And that's, our, that's the only places we could do prevention, and which was great. Uh, that's definitely a demographic and an audience that needs to hear about uh, sexual assault prevention. Um, but we also kind of felt that uh, maybe that was limiting in a certain way. So when the grant ran out, we decided to... Uh, uh, maybe not go for that grant again and just kind of let everything open up and to where we could do prevention anywhere we could want to do prevention. So uh, now we're looking at uh, going a little bit lower to the middle schools and the high schools and, and teaching the younger kids about prevention and even other agencies, uh, police departments, uh, civic organizations, anyone who wants to hear prevention. Now, our approach to prevention may not be what a lot of people think. You know, I really don't focus on 
hey, when it's dark outside, walk with a neighbor, you know, or walk with a buddy when you're in the parking lot or take a self-defense class or anything like that. And I'm not saying those things are bad or ineffective. Those are good things everybody needs to, everybody needs to, to do. But what we do when we talk about prevention, it's a pri- almost like a primary prevention approach where we try to instill ways of thinking uh, to keep the ideas even f- uh, for committing a sexual assault from taking place to begin with. So what we do, we talk to people uh, and, and students about healthy relationships. We talk to them about uh, the importance of consent, especially, um, you know, when we were talking with, with the college students, uh, you know, the importance of getting consent before any type of sexual activity and, and the steps along the way. Uh, we talk a lot about bystander intervention. If you see someone, and we'll probably go more into details about some of this, but we talk about bystander intervention. What if you have a friend that you notice they're not doing uh, very um, healthy habits, or you see you're at a party and you see someone who's doing inappropriate behavior? How can you react to that? Um, we talk about gender socialization. Uh, where, you know, our society kind of tells us men are supposed to act a certain way, women are supposed to act a certain way. Not saying all that is bad, but how that can pose risk factors. So we do a lot of uh, ways of just kind of approaching our our way of thinking about relationships and how we react to those. And the ideal is, you know, it's not going to, it's not like flipping a switch. You're not going to tell somebody this to flip the switch and all of a sudden they're enlightened and they're never, ever, ever going to do any type of inappropriate behavior. But we're hoping, you know, when you keep doing this and you keep sending this message out to different levels and to different generations, eventually it will make a difference. Um, and so that's pretty much our approach to um, prevention of sexual assault and, and domestic violence. I know that was a lot to say and probably a lot of it, you know, you may need to uh, explain further on, but that's just kind of prevention in a nutshell. Okay, well, good. Well, you made several good points that I um, yeah. wanted to go back to. Sure. The Family Crisis Center, we do focus on domestic violence and sexual mm-hmm. assault. It sounds like in your prevention message, though, at this point in time, we, we have a lot of sexual assault information and how to avoid sure. that and, and to keep those um, assaults from right. happening. So, right. so you... Um, had several topics within prevention on consent, bystander mm-hmm. intervention, gender socialization, and yeah. healthy relationship relationships. I can talk <laughs> today. Um, so how do you teach prevention in those different okay. topics? Can you share and elaborate sure. a little bit more well, on those? Well, let's talk, for instance, let's, let's take consent. Okay. When we were, when, if we're talking on the adult level, on the college level, even probably high school seniors and juniors, when you're talking about consent, we're talking about Getting consent when you're engaged in any type of sexual activity, getting consent. Um, you know, it's kind of that old saying, you know, no means no uh, sort of thing. So if you're ask, you know, if you're engaged in some type of activity, ask, get that enthusiastic yes uh, before any kind of consent. And when I teach this, <laughs> you know, sometimes you can sense the eyes rolling with some students. You know, and, and I tell them, look, I get it. It takes the spontaneity out of a lot of things, and it, it does seem kind of maybe overdoing it, but it, it's it's necessary. 
And, and I even tell college students, you know, think about your actions now, what you do. You know, COVID has kind of taken over the news. Before there was COVID, you had the scandals like with Harvey Weinstein and, and a lot of the Hollywood folks. And, uh, well, you know, po politicians, you could always hear stories of a sexual assault or inappropriate behavior that had happened in someone's past and it's coming back to haunt them. So I tell students, I said, look, you know, what you're doing now, if you have any type of aspirations for greatness in your future, what you do now may have an effect on that. So I kind of sometimes will put that spin on things to kind of make them think uh, about that. Um, we have some really good videos uh, that we'll show them. Now, the thing is, what I also try to point out is we can also teach consent to younger students. You can teach consent without putting the sexual spin on it. You know, if it's if they're young students, you know, we can start talking to them about consent now when it comes to borrowing things. You know, just don't take your neighbor's stuff. You know, ask before you take something. Nearly every kid has a cell phone. Ask before you grab your friend's cell phone and look and see what's on it, you know, or taking a picture. You know, and that's one of the exercises we do in one of our curriculums. One of the examples is, you know, before you take someone's picture, ask, is it okay if I take your picture and share it on social media? So you could do things like that to start instilling the concept of consent without making it sexual for younger students. Um, but I, I am of the belief once you get into the older students, college students, and like I said, high school juniors and seniors, you know, like it or not, they're going to do things you probably don't want them to do. And so you need to emphasize consent. And with that, with high school, it's almost a tricky situation because then you have an incident where you may have a senior who wants to date a freshman. So you may have an 18-year-old and a 14-year-old. And even if that 14-year-old gives her consent, it's still really not consent because then you get into laws about sex with minors and sexual activity with minors and things like that. So that's one of the things we talk about consent. We do it in a fun way. We don't shake fingers at them and tell them, you know, don't do this. Just get consent. And we have some fun videos that brings it over the top where two college students are in bed in a dorm and they bring their lawyers in. To, to work out their consent contract, just to make it a little bit more palatable, I guess, and a little more easy to digest. Yeah. And you so know. I think um, you mentioned um, like the high school, um, mm -hmm. high school students, uh, 18 year old, your example mm -hmm. was 18 year old male and a 14 year old female. Right. But honestly, it could actually even be the other way around too. And sometimes we don't think about that. Oh, exactly. And 18 year old female, 14 year old male. And yes. the um, pressure could come from either age. Exactly. Of, I, I mean, no matter the sex or the age, the yeah. pressure could come from either side of that. And so that consent and those 18 year olds being aware of the consequences of their right. actions. Sure, exactly. And what you just said brought up another point I always like to make. You know, when we talk about consent, the majority of that consent is make sure you get consent. But I also want to encourage, especially the young people out there and, and anyone really, if you're if you have second thoughts about anything like that, say no. You know, don't it's it's on you too to to say no. Don't mm -hmm. 
you know, resigned to peer pressure or anything like that, which I think sometimes, um, sometimes that, that can happen as well. So yeah, if, if you're the instigator, make sure you get consent, but also if you're receiving the advances, uh, by all means, if you're not comfortable with that, say something. One of the things we always tell people also is we, you know, get that enthusiastic yes before anything. But also keep in mind that the absence of no doesn't mean yes. Mm-hmm. So if they don't say anything, if you're trying to put the moves on someone, and when I do my lessons and when I do my presentations, depending on the audience, sometimes we can get PG-13. I'll, 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 I won't cross that line here today. But, you know, if you don't, if someone doesn't say anything, even if they don't say no, don't assume it means a yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, and I tell students, hey, back in my day, in the 80s, uh, you know, if you were dating someone and you were trying to do something, if they didn't say, if they didn't reject or didn't say no, you kind of almost assume, well, that was a green light, you know, even though they didn't say yes. But we need to look at that different, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, absence of no doesn't mean yes. Make sure you get that enthusiastic yes before um, you engage in anything. Good point. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. So um, do you have any other information you'd like to share with us on how you yeah. teach prevention on these other topics or? Well, yeah, you know, we talk about, uh, I'll, I'll touch real, real quick, like on bystander intervention, okay. which is a, a, which is a good, a good topic. We, we do a very, we have a very good lesson that we do from the one love foundation. It's, it's, um, that kind of touches on the by the whole lesson on bystander intervention. Um, and just in a nutshell, I, what the example I give with bystander intervention if you're at a party or if you're at a club or, and again, I'm, my mind is still talking to college students, so I'm trying to learn to gear down to, to on the high school and the middle school level. But if you're somewhere and you see someone who's making advances on another person and that other person is obviously uncomfortable, okay, um, if even if you don't know them, maybe go up to them and act like you do know them. Hey, how's it going? Haven't seen you in a long time. Hey, come over here. So and so's here. Get them out of that situation. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say if you're with some friends and you, one of your friends obviously does something that's inappropriate, talk to your friend and say, "Hey, you know what you just did was not cool." You know mm-hmm. that. Uh, so different things. You know, if you see if you have a friend that's obviously in a bad relationship. Talk to them. Ask them, hey, is everything okay? Don't just assume, well, their boyfriend or girlfriend is just over the top and just um, uh, really intense about the relationship. That's just the way they are. Ask them about their relationship. Uh, Talk to your friend if you think they're not doing things appropriately. Um, And, of course, we can go really deep into bystander intervention. Um, but you mentioned that one love, and that's mm-hmm. a great presentation. Um, it is. You shared it with me, and it really opened mm-hmm. my eyes up to some of the subtle things that we right. we kind of notice but don't really take take mm-hmm. in, and just. Um, but then it all culminates later. Right. So if you take in those subtle things yeah. and take action on them, then it sure helps out. Sure. And what we do with one love, just to, just a brief. It's it's 
One Love is, is a foundation that produces this workshop called the Escalation Workshop. So what we do, we'll show, it's, a, it's probably about a 40-minute movie about a college couple. They meet, they fall in love, everything is just great, and that relationship escalates bad very quickly. Mm-hmm. And we show the film, and of course her friends and his friends kind of see what's going on, but nothing really clicks. Um, so, and that... I want people to see this workshop, so I won't give any spoilers. But the relationship ends badly. And after we watch the movie, then we have a discussion with whoever is in the class or whoever's watching the film with us just about what they saw, uh, what they would have done in certain situations. Uh, You know, does any of these things remind them of things they've seen? And just kind of talk things out. We try to have access to a counselor with us at the time because... Some people may get triggered with, you know, that may ring just really true to them and they may need to talk to someone. So um, that's one of my favorite tools uh, when we talk about bystander intervention is to use that, uh, the Escalation Workshop from the One Love Foundation. And it's very well done. Yeah, so. yeah. And that's one thing, you know, sometimes you think these movies, okay, well, they're, you know, it's going to kind of be cheesy a little bit, but it's really well, it's a well done movie. It is. Uh, so, um, uh, go ahead. You, do you want to move uh, on to gender social, yeah, socialization? Let me this, just say, I really didn't understand <laughs> what that meant, gender socialization, and I have a hard time saying it right. sometimes. So, um, Stewart's had a lot of practice with those words, and he can spit yeah. it out and really give everyone um, a good understanding well, of what that means. And, you know, I'll, I'll be upfront with you. I think gender socialization is my favorite topic to talk about. Because uh, you can use some really good examples of it. So gender socialization, see, I even have trouble still saying it. Gender socialization basically means we grow up in a society that dictates men are supposed to act a certain way and women are supposed to act a certain way. For instance, you know, we kind of grow up as, as I'll, since I'll speak for men, uh, a lot of times as a man, you grow up with the notion that Men aren't supposed to cry. If you cry, it's a sign of weakness. Um, You know, the men are supposed to be the breadwinners, and they're supposed to be the alpha in the relationship and and things like that. Um, So, And I'm not saying all of these things are necessarily bad. And I always try to tell people, especially if I have men in the room, I'm not saying men quit being men. I'm not saying you have to turn in your man card today in today's world, but there can't there needs to be balance, I think, in in a lot of things. Um, one of the you know one of my examples again, you know, men aren't supposed to cry, you know, and it's we basically try to tell people, guys, it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry if you're happy. It's okay to share your feelings with your f- friends, you know, to open up. I think it's it's healthy and and it's important. And I think that's a hard thing for men to accept, you know, because you are taught as as a man to, to um, you know, that you're not supposed to wear pink, let's say, or whatever, you know, and, and, and things like that. So, you know, I, I try to I try to tell everyone, and it sounds sometimes when I talk about gender socialization that I'm man bashing, and I'm not. Um, but most of the examples kind of ring with, you know, men are supposed to act this 
certain way. They're supposed to be macho and and tough and 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 things like that. And there's something that are produced from gender socialization, like toxic masculinity, which is, I'm not going to cry. I'm tough. My woman better have dinner on the table when I get home, you know, and I'm going to be the one that goes out and makes the living and she's going to stay at home and take care of the kids. We talk, uh, we address objectification of women, uh, using women as objects like in advertising, let's say, uh, or, or things like that. Uh, we talk about, um, well, uh, the gender pay gap, you know, uh, men are earning more than women for doing the same job just because they're a man. And that's a good example of gender socialization. Uh, it can also mean in some relationships, the man, uh, asking and demanding for sex when and whenever he wants, because he's the man in the relationship. So we, we address those things. And again, uh, there are some risk factors involved and we're not saying that guys that exhibit these behaviors are going to go out and commit a sexual assault. But I think when you grow up in a society and you're raised in a society where you have these ideals and you have the, this way of thinking, um, it can pose, it can pose a risk factor. You know, mm. one of the things we address is the saying boys will be boys, you know, well, he came on to her really strong. She obviously didn't like that. Well, what are you going to do? Boys are boys. That's what they do. You know, so we try to rein that in and, and that, that way of thinking. Uh, we look at uh, just how it is in media. And what I like about teaching gender socialization is I'll use examples from TV shows. I'll show video clips to the students. Uh, that kind of is a good example of toxic masculinity. Uh, by the way, Game of Thrones is a wonderful resource for all of these things. <laughs> um, and we'll look at magazine covers, you know. What is this magazine cover telling us, you know, uh, and, and things like that. So I really like to use the gender socialization. That's Again, that's one of my favorite uh, things. Uh, and just real quick, and, I'll, and this is a perfect example of one of the detrimental effects Again, and I'm using college as, as an example, but, you know, if you have a college student who's a male who has a lot of dates, and let's say he has a lot of sexual conquests, he sleeps around a lot, he's kind of considered big man on campus, okay? He's, he's the stud, right? You know, he's getting it done. If you have a, a young woman who does the same thing, and that's the only difference is their gender, mm -hmm. she's a slut. Right. And so that's one of the, that's one of the points that we try to make when we talk about gender socialization. And as far as just healthy relationships, you know, we do address healthy relationships. Just what do you want out of your relationships? What are deal breakers? Uh, how do you show someone that you care about them? And when we talk about relationships to any age group, it's not just their romantic relationships. We'll talk to them about their relationships, relationships with their family or with their, uh, with their friends as well. You know, it's not just the romantic relationships. If you teach somebody how to respect others in, the, in all of their relationships, uh, that will help their romantic relationships, especially if you teach young people this as they get older.
Yes, I agree. Yeah. So um, on the gender social socialization, mm-hmm. some of what I took away from the presentations I've seen you do, too, mm-hmm. is, um, I mean, female or male, really, but I'm, from the female perspective, mm-hmm. is those those times where no matter who it is that you're having a conversation with or interaction with, if you're not feeling comfortable in that right. scenario, it's a valid, it's valid um, mm-hmm. because of the, when it involves that socialization um part of well any uncomfortableness really Mm -hmm. but um it just makes you a little more aware and i think helps you identify it and go wait a second that really did just happen or that person did just say that in in that um, context yes and then um you know that gives you the opportunity to have a conversation about it right right so because you're more comfortable and aware yeah oh that's what this is so right and again you know we we take the approach because you know i've I'd done a presentation one time on gender socialization, and it was an older gentleman that came up to me afterwards and said, well, you're making it sound like we can't look at pretty girls. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Just be aware of what you're doing and... How it makes others feel. How it, exactly. How it makes other people feel and how you're presenting yourself, you yes. know. And of course, with healthy relationships, I think that's what we all want in life is healthy relationships. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but sometimes we're we're in situations or we're raised in ways that we don't realize that what we're doing or saying is unhealthy. And so exactly. that's helping point that out. To- right. And when we do healthy relationships also, we don't necessarily tell people, this is what you need to do. This is a health, you know, we... we Try to get conversations started. What do you want out of a healthy relationship? Or if you're in a relationship, how do you make that person feel that they're needed and they're wanted? Uh, what's a deal breaker? What would make you say, hey, I'm out. You know, this is enough. You know, and just get conversations started. And we also relate that also to healthy communities. Because a lot of times we'll start out with, well, what's a healthy community? If you think about your neighborhood, what's a healthy relationship with your neighbors and and then you realize when we're just talking about a healthy community, then we start naming the the different aspects of healthy relationships. A lot of those are the same, mm-hmm. you know. And so we try to make that approach as well. Uh, so I always tell people, hey, you know, we can we can do all of this prevention work no matter what age of the student. Uh, we can talk about sexual assault prevention without talking about sexual assault. Almost. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's just a way of thinking about your relationships. Well, I know you've touched on several different groups that mm-hmm. you've reached out to. Um, of course, we've talked about students a lot, right. um, college specifically. Sure. And then are there other particular groups you try to reach? And within all of these groups, how, what avenues do you have to reach them at this point in time? Yeah. Well, um, again, in, in the past, it, we were, you know, kind of restricted on college campuses. So we I know, okay, well, we're not going to do this grant anymore. We're going to be able to go out and conquer the world and go to these schools. Well, then COVID happened, <laughs> you know, so that kind of that set us back a little bit. I really want to reach out to the middle schoolers and the high schoolers, uh, for one, uh, because I think the earlier that you can start teaching people these concepts, the easier it is to get through to them. Uh, I've heard some people say there's there's studies out there that once a person gets to be in their late teens, early 20s, they've kind of made their minds up about a lot of their morals and beliefs and, and things like that. And, and it's harder maybe to change their mind as it is maybe a younger person. 
Um, so definitely the middle schools and the high schools, I've been starting to reach out to the principals and superintendents and the counselors just to kind of let them know that, hey, we're out here. Uh, we can do some of these presentations through uh, distance learning, whether it be Zoom or whatever the distance learning platform is that they use. Uh, you know, we're not, you know, it's, it, it can, uh, we have to modify some things, but it's, it's something that we can do. Um, I'm fortunate enough, I was able to speak to the Lufkin Rotary Club not too long ago. Uh, coming up uh, in January, I'll be speaking to the um, to the Lufkin Lions Club. And uh, I just want to get the message out there. You know, I've been trying to go to the interagency meetings and, and things like that um, to, to get this message across because we can do this. You know, I'm, I guess I'm, in a way I'm kind of hung up on students, but you don't have to be a student to, to, uh, to receive this message. And I think it's a good message to receive if you're management, you know, for your workplace, I think you can benefit from this, right? Uh, I think again, civic organizations, law enforcement. I think is would be a a good uh, audience for this message. Not say they need it, but I'm saying it's good to have this information uh, as as part of your um, your toolbox. I, I guess um, I guess I could say. Uh, so we're you know anybody who wants to hear the message, I want to bring it to them. And um, what I tell people, too, we're so flexible, which is good about what we do in prevention. We can do a one-off 30-minute presentation, if that's all the time that you have, and be done. Or we can do a series of actual trainings and really get into, um, hopefully, you know, knock on wood, you know, when COVID is over and you can really do one-on-one workshops and interactions and and things like that. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back to doing that again, uh, for sure. Because I, I I love doing stuff in person like that. Um, but yeah, that's you know students, civic organizations, anyone who really wants to hear the message. That's who I want to reach out to. So a great a great um, benefit is businesses. You may, you mentioned uh, management uh, mm-hmm. or leadership of yeah. organizations, but then being able to take that down to their staff too, because exactly. not only may some of their staff be involved in some situations, they may have family members, loved ones, mm-hmm. connections um, that they have that it would really benefit them in their personal life, which then helps improve them professionally. Yeah, oftentimes as well. So um, we we're great at getting getting that information out there whether it's in person or yeah. it's on that online resource right and um, i want to make sure people know that we can do that yes. we can do this through zoom or, or or distance learning as well and then um also we have the option of the of some pre-recorded options depending on how sure. it fits you know for everyone so there's plenty of discussion that we can do to yeah to and that's build this right. program around what the needs are and that's anyone, something right? neat i think if there's one good thing about COVID, I think that has made us think more about different ways we can present this information. Uh, even if it is pre-recorded lessons, you know, which I've done something similar like with the Boys and Girls Club here, uh, is I pre-recorded a lot of individual lessons and posted them up and gave them the link to it to where they can show it to their students whenever they want. Uh, you know, we're I'm going to 
assume this is okay. We're kind of maybe talking about one day having a YouTube channel and and doing things like that and just uh, kind of making things more accessible if we can't be in person somewhere. Yes, because we've already we have already found plenty of opportunities, and I know yeah, there's more to come. Sure. And so we'll be looking for those exciting things with prevention. So, yeah. well, tell us. I mean, we realize with COVID, there's definitely challenges. But mm-hmm. what challenges are there out there that you face bringing the prevention message? One of the things, and and I, you know, I don't mean anything. I'm always I'm always careful about how I say this, but I think where we are here in rural East Texas, I think it is a challenge. When we're talking about prevention, and again, you know, kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier about the gender, especially the the gender socialization and getting in touch with your feelings. I think in rural East Texas, it's it's a tougher challenge, and I, and I don't mean anything bad about that. I'm just thinking it's the it's the kind of society that rural areas have. I think um, if we were in Houston or Dallas or Austin, I think um, the prevention message would be easier for people to receive, and maybe even more accepting. Uh, but I think when you get into your rural communities where there are more traditional values and ways of thinking, uh, this can be a challenge. I'm not saying it's impossible, I'm not saying you can't do it, but I think that does prove to be a challenge. Sometimes when it's ingrained in a community or exactly, an area, yeah. and I, and again, over generations, it takes exactly. some time to, to understand and see sure. that in a different And I don't want to say that that's bad and that's like, no, you know what I'm saying. You've caught, but you've I think taught it, me things yeah, that I. But, but I think it is. It's, I've made more aware of myself. Yeah. Um, just like, well, wow, I didn't realize that that could come across that way because something you've heard all your well, life. Well, and you know, me and was it Will and Tiffany, who the people in the prevention team, we were talking the other day. It may have been in one of the podcasts. Um, since I've been doing this work, there are certain TV shows and movies that I'll watch. And I become more aware of, wow, either, hey, I could use that clip (laughs) in a lesson or, man, should I be laughing at this now, you know, where I wouldn't have thought about it before, you know? Well, so you talked about um, us being in rural East Texas. Mm -hmm. So do you partner with other entities in our area or outside of our area to do prevention? Well, uh we have. We do a little bit. I was fortunate enough earlier this year, again, before pre-COVID, uh, to team up with, uh, in Houston County, Kalen's Center, which they're in Crockett. They are a, um, they're a, a center that, that work with kids uh, with, uh, who have, um, I think, have been uh, survivors of abuse and, and, and things like that. And we, uh, we partnered with them for an event that they had uh, for all the high schools in Houston County where uh, we did, I mean, it was back to back. I think I did a 20 minute presentation eight times in a row because mm-hmm. all these different kids coming in. Mm-hmm. So we've partnered with them. Uh, I tell you, I, have, we, I think we have a wonderful relationship with both Angelina College and Stephen F. Austin State. Okay. Uh, we partner with them a lot. We work with them a lot. And again, that stems from at first us, you know, solely being on the campuses to do prevention. And by all means, we're not leaving those campuses. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but we have such good relationships with both those campuses in um, either presenting to different classes or just taking part in events. You know, during April, uh, Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and in October, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, they'll usually have something on campus that we're a part of or they will take part in. Um, I would love to be able to start doing things with law enforcement uh, and things like that. But um, yeah, I would say right now, SFA and, and Angelina College, they are, they're Title IX departments and they're, um, they're um, some of their campus organizations. We're just so thankful to be a part of uh, working with them so much. Good. Yeah. Well, we have a couple of questions left, but before I ask you those, Stuart, I have a question that he's not aware of. I just want to ask him, why do you do what you do um, with prevention? What is it that just strikes the you, in you? Well, I, I tell you what, and I thought of this when I first got this job, I thought of this, and it may sound a little self-serving. I don't know. I think it is neat to be part of an organization, and you're teaching sexual assault prevention and domestic violence prevention, and you're a man doing it. I think a lot of times people don't expect when they see someone from the family crisis center and they're a male, Mm -hmm. you know, and having a man tell other men even, Hey, it's okay to do these things. It's not okay to do these things, you know, um, and just, and just teach them to say, Hey, you can still, you know, hold on to your masculinity and, um, and teach this material, and you know, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just always, always thought of that, you know. Uh, and I, I love educating the students. And again, I remember what it was like to be in middle school and high school, and I remember my ways of thinking and my attitudes about uh, relationships and sex and things like that, and telling students, even based on my previous experiences, you know, uh, things that are okay, things that are not okay, things how we reacted back in the day and how that's changed. Um, But I really do like being a male in, and you know, it's funny when we go to conferences, (laughs) when we used to go to conferences uh, and whatever, you know, Males are definitely in the minority. You know, it's mostly it's mostly women who are in this line of work, even in even if it's just prevention. Uh, so I think it's refreshing to see men involved in it. I'll, I would love to see more men involved in it because uh, I think that's important. I think that's an important message to bring to people. Mm-hmm. Good. You Thank know? you for sharing. Yeah. That. No. Well, so our last round of questions is: How did you find your way to the Family Crisis <laughs> Center? So, and what is your background? Oh, Tell gosh. us a little bit about Jeez. you know, kind of the the steward okay. outside of the agency and how you got here. <laughs> well, um, let's see. I, I'm a native Houstonian. Uh, I graduated in 1989 from Sam Houston State uh, with a degree of all things in radio. T- back then, it was called radio, TV, and film. Um, I've had jobs in radio and journalism in the past. Um, I got myself when I was working through college and only, I didn't work during school. I worked during the summers. I, I wound up working in retail at, uh, Marshall's and you know, right. So I worked there nearly every summer at Marshall's during the Christmas break. Well, my first radio gig, um, that radio station went dark. They, they went off the air. 
So I was going to work at Marshall's for a little bit till I could find something else. Well, then next thing you know, I'm in management. <laughs> I'm in retail management. And uh, so I worked in retail management for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And it got to where, you know, either you love retail mm-hmm. or you really don't. And I didn't love retail. And I finally decided one day, I'm going to use my degree, even if I have to take a pay cut. So I had some family that lived in center. And my mom called me one day and said, hey, uh, your cousin says they're looking for a news director for the radio station in center. Put together a tape, mailed it, and they called me, interviewed me over the phone, and hired me over the phone. And um, I moved to center in 1997, and I was the news director there for seven years, and that was fun. That was a fun job. I took a hit in pay, but it was so much fun, and I really liked that. Well, then I moved up, uh, got married, moved to Lufkin, got a job at KTRE. I was the news, uh, I was the uh, anchor, weekend anchor and weekday reporter there for about four or five years. And again, um, after a while, it's like, you know, I'm ready to do something else. You know, even, you know, at the time I was married, had a family, you know, uh, based on my retail experience, I found a job working in human resources at Burke Center. So I was, the, I was the employment recruiter there for a number of years. I moved over to the ECI um, program there at Burke, which is I was recruiting, letting doctor's offices in the community know about the ECI program, which ECI, Early Childhood Intervention, they work with kids and babies, really, who have developmental disabilities and whatnot. Um, that program was grant funded or my position was grant funded. The grant ran out. They couldn't renew the grant. So, you know, when you throw a cat out the window and they land on their feet somewhere, well, I landed here at the family crisis center. Uh, I was just so fortunate. I saw, I, I saw this position and I applied and, um, uh, got the call for an interview and I've been here ever since, you oh, know, good. so it's, it's really weird. You know, I, I'm one of the few people, here that probably don't have a uh, a social degree of some kind, either social work or psychology or, or anything like that. Uh, but I, I, I really, I love the people I work with. I, I love what I do. This is a good agency to be a part of. And um, I just, I'm, I'm really, I feel very fortunate to be where I'm at. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing um, what you do and your oh, yeah. background with us and how sure. you're working so hard to educate the youth in the community. And I look forward to working with you um, for quite some time and seeing yeah. what else we can accomplish. We're still learning next... about each other, too. Yeah, it's only been a few months, actually, <laughs> not right. even a full year yeah. yet. So. Yeah, but, uh, you know, this is, and I think also because of COVID, we was able to, have been able to really devote a lot of time to the podcast mm-hmm. and getting it up and running. And I and I love doing this. This is still, I, I can exercise some of my uh my radio days, you know, and, and everything with this. It, I it's see really, the joy on his face when he drags it it's all really out. It's a lot of about fun. It. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me on oh, as yeah. the, um, the one asking you the questions no and problem. letting you talk today. Well, so. thanks, Melissa. I appreciate it. Uh, and of course, if, uh, if you have any comments or suggestions, or if uh, you can email us, that's conversations and connections at FCCET.com. And if you feel like you need our services for any reason, 
Uh, we do have a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week hotline. That number is 1-800-828-7233. That's 1-800-828-7233. And remember, be the voice, if not for you, for someone else. Thank you.